This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 280 of the Chassage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Coffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Reese. Hi, Philip. How yeah. are you? We don't have Glenn with us today. I know. It's just you and me. Just recording it's on like, our own. And, and there's storms. You have storms and I have storms. So fingers crossed, everybody, that uh, we don't mess out. up. And we actually yeah. do a show this week, right? Yeah, exactly. You never know. Yeah. Well, how are preparations for regionals going? It is, um, you know, it's 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 good. It's gonna be a really busy week. Um, I started uh, teaching this morning at seven thirty, and I just finished about six fifteen tonight. So, really busy week here. Um, but it's great. It's it's so much activity, and and this I think is the biggest regionals in the U.S. Um, I know there are five hundred eighty competitors. Over 1,700 rides. There was a message that came through. They need volunteers. So if you're in the area, um, they need some volunteers. Yeah. And so we have lots of horses going and um, it should be really a really fun week. And um, I hope the weather holds. We're having some, um, I think a lot of people having some yucky weather. So it's supposed to rain, but it's not going to rain. You're going to be fine. Fine. Yeah. Well, so well, good luck. Yeah, it'll and, be, you know, to you and your riders and everything. It's, it's it should uh, be fun. I I this is I get to take just one horse, which is pretty awesome. I get to go spend time with Denali, my special boy, nice. um, and I look forward to that. You know, it's I very rarely that I only take one horse, but um, I had some horses qualify, and and um, one was sold, and and um, you know, one is not here with us anymore. So. Um, yeah, so it's actually going to be kind of quiet for me in the, in the sense of riding. So yeah. I, I look forward to that, actually. De- dedicate your time to whipping butt. I know, yeah, yeah. But in the night, I, down the yeah, line and, and doing it right. Pretty much, right. And um, it'll be fun with Denali, um, you know, just to like hand graze my own horse. And I've somehow, you know, got my sister uh, coming over to groom for me both days. Oh, nice. So that'll be really nice. fun. So it'll be a fun weekend for me and um, and everybody that's showing. And we had, uh, I have to be honest, my voice is a little scratchy um, because one of my dear friends, uh, Dr. Anna Hitchborn, who has been on the show before, got married over nice. the weekend. Um, Big wedding? A big wedding to her, her now husband, <laughs> Levi Dunlop. Um, and we had a wonderful, almost, I'm, I'm going to be honest, um, both Travis and I are a little sore from all the dancing we did. Mm, we're, um, we're, yeah, yeah. I was, I, I posted the shot on the first horse I rode this morning and thought, oh, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah maybe I'll sit the trot. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, well, uh, uh, we tried to pull up a bunch of stuff that's been going on in, uh, you know, dressage world, you know, for the news before we get started with the show. But what what will be on the show this week? Yeah, so we have a great show. Um, Kate Fleming-Kuhn is coming on and she's going to talk about um, assessing the dressage horse. And uh, Kate's a dear friend of mine. And we actually taught a clinic in Western Pennsylvania together in the middle of September. And we both gave a lecture and she happened to give this particular lecture. And uh, I was so, I, I really, really enjoyed listening to her. And, and I thought it would be fun to have her on the show. So she's going to do a great job uh, with that. So looking forward to that. 
and uh, of course we're gonna we're gonna do a trainer tip i know I think, you and i, I are you up. And i will team up on this one and, <laughs> a total uh, saddle fit trainer tip of the week exactly yeah. you and so, i are uh, gonna take care of that all right well sounds good well so why don't you well, get us started with this this news buzz kind of stuff going on absolutely so um a hundred million dollar north carolina equestrian resort and showgrounds were formally dedicated over the weekend Tryon, North Carolina. Um, this is one of the most ambitious privately funded equestrian resorts and show ground development in the world with over $100 million invested or 80,000 euros. 80 million uh, euro. 80 million, sorry. Whoops. <laughs> it hasn't gone Red that my- far, has it? Yeah, yeah, read my nose wrong. For over the next two years, was formally dedicated Sunday against the backdrop of the forested Blue Ridge Mountains. There are five arenas with the world-class footing, 500 permanent stabling, which have already been built at the Tryon International Equestrian Center, and another 500 permanent stables and five arenas among them a stadium-style venue with 6,000 seats are scheduled to be built, a 150 room hotel, resort spa, and an Arnold Palmer design golf course and other amenities are planned for the site. So um, awesome. another, yeah. Awesome. This is, I mean, this is what they have been trying to do for the past, who knows how long, in Wellington. Mm-hmm. But the council continues to, to create problems for them to be able to do this there. So, um, so they decided to just move it to North Carolina, I guess. Right, you know, right, and try and, and, and it's else, a beautiful right? area. Yeah, and it, and actually, I've been to that area, and I really love that area. So, uh, I'm excited for for us from from here in Lexington. It's about five hours, actually. So, not unrealistic closer, to go there. It's a lot closer yeah. for lots of people coming from yes. the, from the northeast coast and stuff, especially yep. Canada and that sort of thing. So, sure, um, sure, yeah, yeah. We and, wish um, some luck with us with the. Yeah, the weather. You know, I I don't know how the weather is there in the winter. It's certainly not Wellington. Um, in the winter. So it'll be interesting to see if it's more of a summer venue. I don't know. It doesn't say. And um, But like I said, I'm excited about the venue because it's close for us. So, uh, And I always enjoy. We have a lot of venue, a lot of shows here at the horse park, which is wonderful. Uh, but there is something nice about sort of getting away with your horses. and uh, Almost like camping, right? Or, yeah, or a vacation, kind of. a horsey a vacation. A little vacation, right? exactly. For, nice. for us, it's, it's whatever horses are in the trailer are the ones that are going to stay. So, uh, yeah, that's a nice thing. So. Well, yeah, so what's the next thing, Philip? Next up, um, the IOC Coordination Commission leaves uh, Rio satisfied with the progress. So the International Olympic Committee Co- Coordination Commission declared itself satisfied with preparations for the 2016 Olympic Games in Rio de Janeiro, de Janeiro after visiting competition venues, including the uh, Diodoro Olympic Park, where the equestrian sports of dressage, eventing, and jumping will be staged. So there was some there was some talk about Rio not being on track, and you know I think they gave them some some um, objectives to to fulfill, and I think I think maybe they're back on track. Yeah. The IOC well, saying they're crossed. satisfied. Looks yeah. like it'll be ready 2016, um, big Olympic Games. You know that everybody looks forward to not not just equestrians but all the sports all over the world. Um, you know th- there's a lot that goes in. There's you know. Oh, I don't huge. know what, how many billions of dollars, but uh, you know they've got to show that they're that they're completing venues and going to be ready, you know, in a couple of years. So that's good news. 
Exactly. It's very good news. Um, and uh, my parents actually were down there for for a convention and um, my mom saw the venue and she, she herself was a little concerned. Um, <laughs> so that's good to hear that they're meeting their benchmarks. Well, Mama and, K is concerned. There's a problem. Yeah, there's a problem. <laughs> um, so uh, so I'm glad to hear that they're meeting some objectives. That's great. Um, it is. I mean, I can only imagine I'm living through the WAG here and the preparations that had to happen just to have the World Equestrian Games. I can't imagine for the Olympics. So fingers crossed that, that they're doing that. So, yeah. Well, so what's the next thing? Well, next up, we um, we had talked about this before, the um, the the new style competition, CDI Amateur. They're going to host the first one in the world at uh, the Florida's Global Dressage Festival in, uh, in January. So that is uh, really cool news. Yeah, this is this is great. So um, one of the things this has been been in in discussion for a quite a, li- a while, um, but some of the stats are that there's over sixteen thousand adult amateurs um, in USDF. So it's huge. So some of the requirements that are listed currently, and this, these may change, but uh, requirements to compete in a CDI AM AM classes are riders must be twenty six years old. Riders must have no ranking with the FEI world ranking list at the date of the defined entry. No FEI passport is required for horses competing in their home country, but must be registered with their national federation um, with the diagram and, and that type of thing and valid uh, vaccination certificates. Horses well, entered cool. in. Yeah. yeah, well, that's that's a big deal because a, a, a passport is expensive to get that, that FEI mm-hmm. passport. And a, just a pain. I, I'm a lucky. Pain, yeah. yeah, it's just a pain. I'm literally lucky that they're processed here in Lexington. So we do them and I literally take the afternoon and drive them over. It's just easier. I mm-hmm. literally sit there while they look at it because it's just easier. Yeah. Um, so they must follow the same procedures um, as the CDI classes. They have to undergo the vet check. They have to undergo the, the – um, they have to be in restricted stabling and go through the uh, in barn inspection. So, uh, but it's exciting. I mean, it's it's yeah, kind of giving have all the classes: yeah. Priest and George, I one, Inter A, Inter B, um, freestyles, everything. You know, for for amateurs to be able to experience a CDI competition, you know, where they have to meet requirements of judging and and vet checks and like you said, all that kind of stuff. Um, but not not have to compete against the the big guns professionals. You know that's a, it's very interesting. It's um, yeah. I think you know if if you're a rider that has ridden pre St. George in a national class, I think you, you you might notice a difference and be able to appreciate the um, the judging and the different things that go on when, when you show in a CDI. So that's uh, very cool. And hopefully, along with these shows, there'll be now amateur championship classes and and, and amateur championship shows and. Even maybe amateur nations. I mean, it's endless. You know where this could go right. for for uh, non-professional riders. So that's sure, awesome. Sure. Yeah. Fingers. Yeah. Fingers crossed. This continues to take off like everybody thinks it will. So I love the idea. It's fabulous. So well, Very right good. after this commercial break, we're gonna jump into Kate Fleming Coon, and she's gonna uh, talk about assessing the dressage horse. I hope you enjoy it. This week's EasySignsOnline.com Spotlight product is their New England Style Farm Signs, their most popular line of signs. 
New England-style farm signs are very durable and designed for long-term outdoor use with no maintenance required. No wood to rot and no paint to peel. They will outlast the old-style painted wood signs by many, many years. They are available in many sizes, shapes, and styles, which makes them the perfect sign for any farm or business. Go online today and go through the EasySignsOnline.com easy step-by-step ordering process to see all the prices and options available. They also offer free, no-obligation sign proofs on all New England-style signs. And you get free shipping as well on all New England-style signs. So replace your old worn-out sign and make a great first impression with a new farm sign from EasySignsOnline.com. And the holidays are right around the corner, so it's a terrific gift idea. I can't think of a better one. Visit EasySignsOnline.com. It is my pleasure this evening to have my friend Kate Fleming Kuhn who uh, we were actually on a Young Rider team together many years ago. And uh, Kate and I did a clinic together a few weeks ago in Pennsylvania. And she gave this great lecture on assessing a dressage horse. So, of course, I asked her to do it for us here on the radio show. Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And thanks for asking me, Reese. No, we're really happy to have you on. And and this was such a great talk you gave a few few weeks ago. So uh, can we jump right in? Sure. Um, this lecture is really um, focused on, obviously, as Reese has told you already, assessing the dressage horse. And I think that pertinent information, um, both in terms of ev- assessing your long-term partner, but it's also really good if you're looking at a sales horse or you're going to ride a friend's horse that you've maybe not met before. And these are uh, some ways to make some evaluations. And the primary way we make evaluations is um, looking at the horse based on the progressive steps of the training scale, namely rhythm, relaxation, connection, impulsion, straightness, collection. Um, Before riding, it's important to form an initial impression based on um, the observation of the horse's temperament, evaluation of the horse's confirmation, Look at the top-line development. Look at the overall proportions of the horse. Look at the balance. Look at the symmetry. Um, If it's a horse you don't know, discuss the history with the um, normal rider of the horse. Um, Ask pertinent questions like, how old is the horse? What's the past training? Soundness, fitness level. Ask the rider their perception of the level of training of the horse. um, And their perceived deficiencies of the training or or lack thereof. Um, During the ride, um, start in the warm-up, walk, truck, canter, both directions, using straight, curved lines, school figures, and transitions, and assess during the warm-up. Assess the gait. Um, How is the purity, the regularity of the rhythm, the relaxation, the quality of the gaits, the suspension, the scope, Assess the acceptance of the aids. Is the horse willing and relaxed in his acceptance of the rider's leg? Is the contact correct, equal in both reins? Does the horse accept the seat? Does the horse accept half halts? Can you regulate the tempo? Can you affect the length of stride? How does the horse respond to the circle of the aids? Is the horse good from front to back and back to front? And what is the quality of the connection? Assess the straightness. 
namely identify the hollow versus the stiff side and can you displace the shoulders in order to straighten the horse. Assess the suppleness. Does the horse stretch and allow adjustment of the length of its frame without changing balance or tempo? That's the longitudinal suppleness in the horse. Can you position or bend the horse without change in the flow of the movement or balance? That's looking at the lateral suppleness. Assess the throughness, the quality that allows the horse to move with relaxation and obedience, accepting the forward driving aids, the sideways driving aids, and the restraining aids equally in both directions. Um, This is a key characteristic of a correctly schooled horse. During the work phase after your warm-up, use the information you gleaned during the warm-up to determine the major areas that need improvement. Be able to identify the problem and the cause. Address the disease and not the symptoms. Choose appropriate exercises to address issues. Exercises must be classical and supported by classical theory. The work should progress logically. The horse must be worked in both directions. Evaluate success as you go and be prepared to go to a simpler exercise. Don't drill an exercise over and over. Incorporate stretching, changes of gait, changes of direction throughout the work. And always keep in mind the regularity of the gait, the fitness level of the horse, the temperament, and the education level of the horse. Once you've worked the horse, um, make assessments during the cool-down phase. Allow the horse to chew the reins out of your hands, stretch and elongate the top line while maintaining the balance and connection. Reward, and at the end, make evaluations. Be able to articulate what was successful and what wasn't successful and why. What could you do during the next ride on the horse? And create a long-term plan based on those assessments. During your ride, continually evaluate uh, the relaxation level. Look for signs of a relaxed horse. Does the horse move with free, even steps, swing through the back? Is the horse loose in the pole, quietly, gently chewing on the bit and swallowing? Can the horse be equally positioned and bent right and left? Does the horse chew the reins out of the hands correctly? Can the horse be driven forward on long or given reins? Does the horse occasionally snort? Does the horse allow a supple rider to sit comfortably? Does the horse carry the tail straight and swinging like a pendulum? And these are the main ways we can look to assess and identify areas that need improvement in our dressage horses. Hey, awesome. Yeah, I mean, that sounds good. My, My question is just how do we assess whether there's a problem or it's a miscommunication? You know, because everybody rides a little differently. So if I get on Reese's horse, you know, for instance, I know that that's probably a pretty correctly trained horse, but maybe he's not responding to to my aids as if I was Reese. I mean, how how do we figure out whether that's, you know, that might be my mistake and not the the horse's mistake, even though the training would be very similar. How do we how do we figure figure that out during a ride? But I think it's always important to allow yourself a period of time to adjust to a horse. Um, and to allow a horse to adjust to you. Um, for example, my husband is also a professional rider, and he's built quite differently than I am. So even though we 
ride, I think, in a very similar system. Um, sometimes there's miscommunication simply because his leg is inches uh, below where my leg would be. Um, and, uh, and so sometimes there is a period where the horse maybe needs to uh, adjust to the fact that the leg comes in a different place or the weight aid maybe is applied a little bit differently related to different proportions of the rider. Um, but I think regardless of whether it's a training issue or a miscommunication, addressing it is um, going to help you identify uh, whether the horse will allow a rider to, you know, to, to simply get with the, get with the program. No, I like that. And, and you're right. I mean, Kate, you're, you have the luxury for sure to put Martin on because he's, he is quite tall and you're, you're not small, but you know, you're not, you, there's a big difference for you guys. So I think even having the practice for the horses doing that change is really important. Um, and I love this lecture. One of the reasons I loved this lecture when you gave it a couple of weeks ago was how systematic your thinking is and how you're training people to think in a systematic approach and a systematic way of trying a horse. Um, or, you know, in trying a horse or even riding a horse on a daily basis. You have a warm-up phase, you have a working phase, and you have a cool-down phase. Um, and I loved how you talked about watching the signs for relaxation. And um, one of the things that I liked was you talked about the horse chewing the bit, but you also talked about the horse swallowing. Can you talk about the importance of that? Um, sure. Uh, this is... Um really become an issue in a, an era where it's um, quite a fad to make the noseband very, very tight. And when um, the noseband is tightened to a point that, um, that the horse can't swallow, um, there's no, it's impossible for the horse to relax his jaw in that moment. And so I think we're looking to see, you know, that the horse um, has the ability to chew and um, and can relax the jaw. And if um, if the noseband, particularly when you're trying a horse, if the noseband is is so snug that the horse can't swallow, um, you're going to find that the horse won't give such a good feeling in the hand. And and sometimes when you're maybe looking at a horse to buy it might be interesting to loosen the, the noseband to see what, what, what's going to happen. Um, is the horse going to have a mouth issue that comes out when the noseband isn't, isn't as tight? I just wanted to ask a little bit about the opposite problem to that. Maybe when, if you're riding a horse and that the, uh, the noseband may be a little bit too loose and, and then the mouth is opening, would you go ahead and tighten that up right away or you know, uh, have a discussion with the rider or try and figure out you know, the issue or, you know, how would you address that? Maybe? I, yeah, I would, I would definitely have a discussion depending on the situation. If you're a professional, maybe giving a clinic or someone comes to your place for the first time, um, have a discussion about that and make adjustments on a trying a horse in a situation where you're looking at maybe to purchase the horse. It would be important information to know, um, you know, does the mouth get quieter when the nose band is not so loose? And I think it's a really, it's a difficult question to answer how tight versus how loose, because um, there are many people 
that are on sort of opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, some where the, the nose band is so loose, it's, it's window dressing and the horse is able to really evade the contact of the bit, which is not good either. Um, so I think, um, I would have a discussion to ask why, um, that maybe is the case that the rider has the nose been very loose. And, and then um, I would make an adjustment and see, you know, how does the horse accept that? So I have a question for you both. And I think just checking the tack is really important, especially if you do go on to purchase the horse. I think it's really important to write down, you know, the size of the bits. If you can get the bits even better, you know, what size saddle, you know, try to minimize. If you do go ahead and buy that horse, keep an eye on that, look at it and make an assessment. You know, hopefully if you're buying the horse in the United States, you can talk to the trainer. Um, but sometimes if you buy a horse in Europe, you'll never see that trainer again and you have no idea. So I think that that's a really, really good point. Um, but I have a question for you both. Um, when you're trying a horse for the first time, are there any pet peeves or anything that you both would say, no way I'm not buying that horse? Kate, what do you think? Um, I think that it's a very interesting question, and I think the big the, the before we get to an answer, we have to back up who is the horse for, and so there are certain things for certain people that would immediately turn me off. Um, for example, recently I helped a student uh, purchase a horse. She needed a horse that would give her confidence and that she could feel safe on but also that had a good forward intention. Um, she had historically had horses that were not so easy to get in front of the aides, and I wanted to find something for her that um, that she could get a feeling of a forward intentioned horse that was also um, reliable and safe, that she could feel confident um, on that horse. So if I was looking for a horse for her, it would immediately turn me off if I saw the horse do something that was um, more than she could handle or gave me the impression that the horse um, might not be as settled in the mind or relaxed um, as she would need. Um, going against the leg would be something that would be really um, a turnoff for me, for most any rider. Um, and sometimes I think you have to ask, what's the history? How has the horse been ridden? Because sometimes it, it's an issue um, that that maybe you feel like can be addressed and easily remedied. Um, but I personally want to see a horse that is good off the leg, whether that's for me or for um, for a student. I think that's a a really important quality that the horse has a. Uh, and, easy manner in terms of getting in front of the aids. Philip, yeah, how about I mean, you? Yeah, when we're speaking in just generalizations about horses and stuff, I really, you know, um, for myself and for students and things, I, I really like a horse that wants to stretch to the bit and really get out to the contact and, and use their top line a little bit. And I, I want to steer a little bit away from um, the horses that are a little bit just tight in the back or tight in the top line. And, and are tough to just get out to the bit a little bit, you know, on, you know, on all levels, you know, of these horses, because it's a lot easier to, to get a horse, um, 
a little shorter in, in general than it is to get a horse that's short and just doesn't quite get out there. You know, no matter how they're, you know, sometimes some, you know, some, sometimes they're trained to be a little bit short and it's nothing to do with the, the you know, with the, um, not to say it's bad training or it might be confirmationally, but I think just with all the horses I've ridden and I've dealt with, I just prefer one that would, you know, is on a tendency towards the stretching a little bit too long and maybe even a little bit too low than one that's going to be short and high and, and maybe a little quick in the rhythm. So, um, yeah, just in general, there's lots of things that I say, okay, you know, uh, I'm not going to go anywhere near that horse sort of thing, but that's just one that, uh, that I can think of at the moment. So it's a good question. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's always a question, you know, and I think you both hit it for me. Um, you got to assess who you're, you're also purchasing the horse for. Um, but one that rings a bell for, for me is when Philip and I were in Europe uh, a few weeks ago, I rode a horse. It was a four-year-old. Um, and the, the rider rode the horse and then I rode the horse and I really liked the horse a lot. And Philip got on him and just absolutely. So it had been three, he'd been lunged. He had been ridden by the rider, he'd been ridden by me. And we put a third person on him and Philip just ever so slightly touched him with the whip and man, did that sucker double barrel kick. And Philip looked at me and said, I'm, <laughs> I'm off. But, but it was good I though. Decided, I mean, we, yeah. we put yeah, that horse so. under a lot of pressure and this is a horse for me, but Philip's like, no way. Get, and he got off, and I was like, "Okay, no problem." Um, so I think it, no, that that, that's sort of what that was just a reaction thing. I mean, um, yeah, if we're talking about that specific horse, I mean, if you know, it's one of those things, and, and we and we talked about it a lot because it was a really superstar horse, and hadn't had the you know youngest horse, and hadn't had the best training, but you know, and just generally. If you just, you know, I didn't even, uh, you know, really offend him or anything, but it just gave him a tap and he, both back legs right out the back, he nearly, you know, stopped on his front leg sort of thing. I just thought, yeah, I don't really like that. You know, that's, that's not a, you know, um, when you ask somebody of a horse and if, even if he doesn't know, you want him to have a certain reaction like, oh, I'm going to try. And that one was just like, how dare you touch me with a whip? And I just thought, eh, that's tough to get around. You know, that says something a little bit about the, the mentality uh, of that horse and and really he went well and and did everything he was asked there was just a you know a little piece of tension in there and and I and you know I just tapped the horse well you know just see what's going to happen right we're testing the horse what's going to happen when I tap on the whip and it just really a very rude reaction so yeah and I thought yeah. I thought it was a, go ahead yeah I think that brings up an 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 important point which is um, getting to the heart of I like the going back to the mentality of the horse and especially when so much of what we what we do is long term and demanding of the horse that when you have a horse that starts off saying I don't really want to work for you I don't really want to try um, it's a long journey even with the most talented horse um, if they don't come out with the desire to try um, you never know what what happens Versus, for me, give me a horse maybe with a little bit less talent and a really good ethic. Um, you can do a lot to the training to develop the gates and develop the horse's ability for the work. But the most talented horse without a desire to try is is just a sad state of affairs. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. 
and and I think that um you know this is it this is such a, a topic that you know even you can see as trainers we talk about this all the time because this is it's hard you have to make an assessment on a horse especially a sales horse or horse you're purchasing you usually have two rides on that horse and so um you know it's it's that's why I loved Kate's uh, lecture and discussion because she goes at it a very systematic approach and I think that that is so important and one that all of us can use um, um, so. Kate, I really appreciate your time, and we could talk about this for another hour, um, but thank you so much for your time. How do our uh, listeners find you online? Um, through our website, uh, starwestonline.net. Great. Well, thanks so much, Kate, and we can't wait to have you back on. Great. Thanks for having me. Dr. Rose's Remedies Skin Treatment Salve and Spray are 100% all-natural products. They are anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, antiviral, and antifungal. Dr. Rose's are made with all human-grade ingredients and are safe and effective for treatment for all manner of cuts and scrapes on your horse. And Dr. Rose's is the must-have product here at the Horse Radio Network headquarters to keep PT scooters, delicate white pasterns, free from dew poisoning and scratches. Ask for Dr. Rose's at your local tax store or feed supplier or visit them online at drrosesremedies.com. That's drrosesremedies.com. Well, those were great interviews and I hope everybody enjoyed Kate. She's really a, a, a great personality and a really wealth of knowledge. So that was lots of fun to hear that lecture again. Uh, so Philip, we have some really exciting news from Total Saddle Fit. Yeah, well, uh, can you tell us about yeah, that? Yeah, okay, no problem. I mean, I think this week we're going to do Total Saddle Fit Trainer Tip of the Week. But uh, we have a new, I guess it's a contest, um, announced by Total Saddle Fit that um, if everyone wants to send in their 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 questions about Saddle Fit to Justin, I mean, he's been on the show before, you can listen to uh, him, he's come on a couple of shows, but he said that he would like to do a best question of the month um, this month to promote Total Saddle Fit and their awesome shoulder relief girth. And so the best question of the month, you know, if you guys send them in email or, or on our Facebook page or however you want to get your question in, uh, we're yep, going to pick one. and you have to one. email us, right? You have to email Philip or I or yeah, both of us. Yeah, if you, yeah, you can always email Justin. He's great at, at answering, but we're going to bring the question onto the show. So we're, we're going to pick the best question and we'll get Justin to answer it for us. And then the, the winner of that, of the best question, will get a free Total Subtle Fit uh, shoulder relief girth, which is a great a great promotion. It's an awesome girth. You know, um, if you have a horse with some girthing issues, it's great. And if you and if you don't, I'm sure they'll appreciate a really nice, well made, very good quality girth that uh, that uh, you can you can order your size, whatever size that that your horse takes, and uh, and we'll and we'll mail it to you. So that's exactly. awesome. Cool, huh? So it, it's either email Philip at philip at horseradionetwork.com or me, Reese, at horseradionetwork.com. And uh, we will uh, go through the questions and we can't wait to get to give away a girth. That'll be so fabulous. Yeah, I mean, and, it, and if, we get, uh, if we get enough questions, we'll just have Justin on for you know, however long it takes, 20, 30 exactly. minutes. We'll, we'll still answer the questions, but we'd just like to pick, you know, one best question you know i think something that you know everybody will can relate to you know in in saddle fitting or girth fitting 
or you know kind of tack fitting in general that that we can get to so i think that's a a cool idea by justin and and awesome for our listeners so so let's get those questions rolling in i love it well we have our total saddle fit uh tip of the week so philip what's our what's our what are we talking about tonight well, today I want to talk. Uh, I, I know that we've we talked we we've we've been doing the show for about two years, right? And we've covered a lot of topics, you know. So sometimes it's tough for us to come up with you know new ideas and new topics. But I, I think I'd like to get back to um, improving the canter. You know, a couple more tips. Well, I'm sure we've given tips before about improving the canter, but but hopefully we can come up with something something new today because uh, well, basically over the weekend I was teaching quite a bit. And uh, it was, I mean, it's tough, you know, it's it's tough to improve the canter or even really be able to evaluate whether your canter is, is a good enough canter for the level that you're doing. So I was hoping today to come on and, and talk to you, Reese, about, about improving the canter and your ideas and exercises and, and things that would maybe help our listeners. Sure. Yeah, no, I think we talked about it too. We both, we both uh, were talking about working on pirouettes um, with, with our riders and making and, and improving the canter and keeping the canter in the pirouettes. And that's sort of where this came from, this discussion. Um, and I think the canter, um, you know, just starting basically, when, when you're picking out a horse, um, canter is the gate that you want to you wanna have a good canter, ideally. Yeah, I mean, when when you when you think about it, when as you move up through the levels, the the trot becomes you know everybody loves a big fancy trot, but the trot actually becomes less important um, right. because you can adjust it so much. And then when we're talking about you know uh, Grand Prix, you're you have very little trot to do in the test. You collect a trot; right. it's mostly PF passage and a ton of canter if you think about it. So this is where it's so important, and it's and it's it's a lot harder to adjust the canter than than it is the the trot gate. So this is where, you know, if you're evaluating a horse, you're buying a horse, or you're just sitting on a horse. Um, is that Penny? That was Penny. That was Penny. <laughs> it's my mom's dog. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, um, everybody. <laughs> then um, then you're just really looking at the canter quite a bit. So so when you're looking at a canter, Reese, what, what are we looking for? So we want a three-beat canter. That's a really big, important thing. Um, you know, so rhythm, rhythm is always, yeah. yeah, rhythm is, you know, the first, uh, the base of the scale of training. And so rhythm is a big deal. So um, one of the things with rhythm is you want to make sure that you have a, a three-beat canner. Uh, a four-beat canner, uh, it's tricky. You know, a four-beat canner really, a lot of times, um, mostly so, shows that the horse is behind the eights. So you've got to make sure that you have a, uh, a three-beat canner. Yeah, so that's and, you know, a big one. And, and even if you're sitting on the horse for the first time, try to adjust the canter a little bit, you know, and uh, and see that it, it maintains its three beat three beat rhythm as you're as you're trying. I mean, it depends on the level of the horse, but you know, even a three year old, you can try and send it forward or bring it back without losing without r- losing that rhythm. Because if you have rhythm loss, it's very difficult to uh, to correct. So that's a exactly. that's a good tip. Yeah, so that, that's number one. In, in kind of assessing, we were talking about assessing dressage horses today as well. And, and, and so that's my biggest thing is, um, you know, if you ever sit on a horse and you try a horse and it's got a four-beat canter, be careful. So that is that is a big one. So the next thing with, with building the canter is, again, it's strength, right? I think we talk about strength a lot on the sh- on our program on how to build strength and, and how to keep strength. And I think with, uh, with the canter, a ton of transitions, forward and back, huge. That's that's a really, really big and important thing. Um, and I think with the canter, 
um, we, we both, Philip and I use an exercise called the miles per hour exercise and I love it. Use it in the trot as well. But you know, when you're cantering along just say, okay, this is my 10 mile an hour canter and then say, okay, I'm going to punch it up to 12 miles an hour. Maybe you want to then go to 14 miles an hour. Once you get to those certain, certain stages and levels, you should be able to maintain those levels. Um, and then you should be able to maintain it the other way. So if you have a 10-mile-an-hour canter, then you need to have a, uh, an 8-mile-an-hour, then a 6-mile-an-hour. Uh, again, those are super important to sort of maintain those and be able to, to really collect the horse, keep them active, keep that three-beat. Uh, rhythm uh, and be able to collect and make the canter not cover as much ground. Um, so that's an exercise that we use a lot. How about you, Philip? Yeah. Um, and today, looking at some horses, just like I said over the over the weekend, you know, um, once you've established being able to get the horse, you know, uh, round roundish or on the bit or however you want to say that in the in the in a correct frame and a good uh, correct uh, connection and contact. What happens a lot in the canter is that the horses have a tendency to get too low in the pole and land on the front legs more than if the horse has never learned to be, you know, never learned to be brown. They're, they're using that roundness and connection of the frame to actually um, balance too much on the front end. If we're talking about, you know, the teeter-totter effect that we want to have in dressage to be able to make them rock a little bit on the hind legs then um, this actually goes against that a little bit. So um, a lot of times when I'm telling the riders to adjust the canter, you know, I, I, I have them not worry about how round the horse is because what's important is that the horse learns to sit a little bit behind and, and bring the pole up a little bit. Even if the horse isn't as round as, as the end picture that you want, you have to let that go a little bit in the, as you're teaching uh, the first stages of balancing and the canter and, and getting the, the, the withers, the front, le- the front end off the ground a little bit because if the rider is too much holding on to, holding on to the front end or trying to really keep that round picture that they've, they've established and worked so hard for, if you don't let it go a little bit, then uh, you know, let the horse a little bit long, let the horse raise the pole a little bit, then, then it's very hard for the horse to, to, to get up uphill as much as you as you want them to to teach them how to to get more and more up because in the canter more than the trot it's very hard to get that adjustment towards towards the hind legs i you know i found and, and and as i was working this weekend that's what that's really what i was working on yeah no and i think that's really good and really important to remember as you start going uh to more advanced movements you know into the canter half passes or the pirouettes right um those are just and flying changes. Those are actually they tell you exactly if, if you have struggling uh, with those movements. Typically, you're struggling with something in the canter, just a basic canter. Yeah, so that's also something to kind of keep in mind. Right, right. Just look for look for quality in the rhythm of the gait, and uh, and in being able to shorten and lengthen the the stride and also the horse a little bit more over. Um, you know, really trying to hold the horse in, in the right round. The, the round shape will come when mm-hmm. the balance and the energy and a lot of other things are correct. So, so just kind of, you know, think about that. Think about being able to adjust all things um, and not just say, okay, everything has to be in this tight frame. You know, a lot, a lot of it can just happen if you kind of let the reins go a little bit and, and really ride, ride off your seat and work off your seat. So that's, that's something that, uh, that has come up and, and that uh, I think is really super duper important so 
That's why I wanted Agreed. to bring it on the show and bring it as a tip this week for our, our Total Saddle Fit tip. Love it. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed the show tonight and keep your emails and Facebook shout outs coming. We always, always love well, them. Well, now it's way more worthwhile, right? Exactly. Constant I was just going to say up, that. So, yeah. yeah. Email us those um, those saddle fit questions um, because now there's a girth on the line. Uh, and Philip and I will pick the best question. No greasing the palms. I'm just going to say. Uh, just good questions. <laughs> we'll uh, but we fair. look forward we'll keep it fair. Yeah, we'll keep it fair. We look forward to everyone sending those in. So sending again to Reese at horseradionetwork.com or Philip at horseradionetwork.com. Uh, we'll sort through them and we'll make sure uh, that everybody's questions get answered and uh, Justin will come back on. He's always a favorite here on the show. So um, everybody, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a great show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.